Sorry. Can we just like do the <laughs> oh, acting? Oh. <laughs> the end of Madeline's Madeline. Oh, We're no! doing a street dance. The movie is both cinema and theater. Mine is like raptor noises. <laughs> <laughs> Die. Uh, hit the button. You're leading, right? I'm in charge. Okay, great. Oh, I'm the captain now. Great. I was always the captain, and I will be the captain tomorrow. Oh, because God. time is a flat circle, and the end is built into the beginning. So, in a way, wow. haven't I always been the captain? Wow. No, Brandon on a sing- has been on- the captain <laughs> for quite a bit. What? Here's the more apt metaphor. It's not that I'm the captain and always have been. It's that we have all been on sinking ships since the day we were born, right? Oh. Oh my god. This is so dumb. But accurate. Is that actually a line from the movie? No, I just thought of it. Wow. That's not a But keep in mind Did you also just rewatch Children of Men? <laughs> no, but I know you did. Speaking of sinking ships. Mm-hmm. Oof. It's the sinking ship of man. <laughs> I I don't know why I get protective arbitrarily over spoiling things because I wanted to talk about Clive Owen in that movie. And I was at, at the end and then I was thinking, no, no, no. You don't but want to spoil 12 this. 12-year-old movie. Yes, exactly. It's Everyone's of, seen it four it's times. It's one of the popular cinephile movies of all time. I haven't right. watched it in like 10 years. Oh, really? I, I don't think I've watched it since it was a fresh DVD. Ooh, I love a fresh Children of Men DVD. I had what plans. What are you eating? Yogurt with berries. Is it Yummy. Greek? Yeah. This isn't the Mamma Mia Here We Go Again episode. Oh, my God. Oh. I remember. But isn't it? Because you think of that, about that movie. As I was saying before we got on the mic, I... I think about a different aspect of Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, every single goddamn day in ways that deeply move me. Wow. But By the way, I did email the girl and say, I may need to move our meeting, and I didn't say why, but just what possible dates do you have open if I need to move? Just to see. She hasn't responded yeah. yet. And then but, you sign it, do-do-do-do-do-do, comma, then. If, like, <laughs> if it's like, oh, yeah, I'm free on Tuesday, then I'll be like, great, I'm going to go see Mamma Mia at work. <laughs> if she says she's not we able, work if she says she's not able not to reschedule, say, you used to be so nice. You used to be so good. Oh. Not anymore. I will tell my children a men's story while Ben is... What is? What are you doing? My he's just. Phone. Oh, he's, he's, just not he's looking just, for his second device, his second screen. Screen slaver over here. Phone, he's just screen slaver. Okay, no, that's a spoiler. I just can't abide. I'm only forty-five minutes into the first episode. Wow. I've well, seen. I have a dull perspective on sharp objects. How many are there? Eight. Mm-hmm. Seven have aired. Yes. I think I've seen five. In well, Brandon, let me just wasn't, tell wasn't you. for you. It was a five-part miniseries. <laughs> no, I'll finish it. I was being a bitch. Ben has been holding out his hand. Seven, like things are truly beyond the pale that occur. Okay, so you have to catch up. No, I yeah, paler than the. I mean, the, the porcelain than the cracked women. Amy Adams, Patricia Clarkson <laughs> face on the poster. On the poster it's they been... look to be ghosts in their own home. Mm-hmm. I mean. I'm if there's a if I hit a spoiler like, as I'm whatever, rewatching Big I've Little avoided Lies, all spoilers. Can you believe? I will I say, I now that I'm watching Big Little Lies again, that it is better. But maybe would, it was your Jean-Marc Vallée. I do bias. think I just yeah. bring. I do think the images are more specific and sharp objects, and I think that's fair. The 45 minutes I saw, it's a far more subjective program yes. than Big Little Lies, which truly is an ensemble and. 
like southern gothic horror is mm. just much more my genre mm. than beachy rich white women yes <laughs> you would have loved to have been in the back seat on my my southern road trip or road trip my my trip to the south last week there was a lot of kudzu a lot of hang oh my god so there's this thing in north carolina and, and in georgia basically all over the south so one is that there's kudzu growing all over everything and then the other thing is that when you're driving along the freeway or if you're just walking down a road because they all have just massive lines of forest all mm-hmm. over them. Like the southeast is just an enormous forest. On like every fourth or fifth tree branch, like on a tree, I should say, like one of the higher, one of the more higher branches on a tree, it ends in this net that looks like a flat, like or looks like a like a fishing net, but it's actually just like crazy Southeast American spiders that have made these crazy cotton candy webs Ooh. that just have like leaves in them. Like these fucking spiders are like yeah. building fortresses. Yeah. And just like every single time you pass one, which is just about every five seconds. I would like to wrap myself in it. Oh no. <laughs> I just think I just think about walking through it and I'm like oh, no, no mm-hmm. out. Mm, get out. Ew. Mm-hmm. Anyway, speaking of get out, I also saw a deer and three baby deer well, grazing. Were they CGI? The deer <laughs> grazing. The CGI deer. <laughs> Was it three CGI deer? They were very much real. And I believe Was Francis McDormand looking at babies? one. No, this and what babies? What about the babies? I don't think you specified that it was a parent and three babies. Oh, a on bo- the mic. A mommy or a daddy and three babies. I don't know if it was a mommy or a daddy. Wouldn't it have horns if it was a daddy? It was a mommy. Yeah, there'd be horns, antlers. I don't know much about it's a deer. Buck. <laughs> it, it would be a big fucking buck. Ew. Nice. Mm. Mm. Muscular. Mm. Looking forward virulent. to the to the Uncle Buck episode, which we will talk about. The, the virulent is Buck. not the right word. It's virile. Oh no! But virulent you don't you don't like know that angry. deer. Maybe it is virulent. You're right. Virulently anti-human. You never know. True. Mm. You never know. know, especially if they went to the movies last year. They saw several examples of deer carnage. Or yeah, they're like, be. don't make me your stand-in for spiritual transcendence, Miss mm-hmm. McDormand. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're not her. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I know. Stop projecting. I don't want to be her. You I'm bitch. having a bite, okay? It's not all about you and your daughter. Even if you know that it's not her. Why are grass. why are you even thinking that I might not be me? Yeah. What's the movie where someone's like, how am I not me? Didn't we just watch this? Yes. What? Huh? Hmm? Wait, who huh? says how am I not me? Where you're I don't remember. Is it Synecdoche? It's not Synecdoche. Am I pronouncing synecdoche Isn't wrong? Isn't it? <laughs> I don't know, Brandon. Synecdoche? It's synecdoche. Synecdoche. And the, synecdoche. Si- the actual city schenectady. is schenectady. schenectady. And this is synecdoche. Oh, fuck. This is just going to devolve into this has been Phantom Fed. Roger Ebert, IMO. Oh, no, no. This is. I will get to this. I want to talk a little bit more beforehand, but this is going to be Richard Brody, IMO. And that sound you hear in the middle distance is some jimmies being rustled in his big bushy beard oh. because we are talking about Josephine Decker, we are talking about Marina July, and we are talking about Jean-Luc Godard. It's going to be us in the beard. <laughs> like, I think we found a promo. In- oh, the like Madeline's the Madeline like poster? A, no, I was going to say the some like a hot Criterion poster. Oh my God. But it's us and Richard Brody's beard. <laughs> if someone can please Photoshop and send to the class, that would Wait, be Wait, is Richard Brody gorge. like the world's biggest... I mean, he, let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. John Luc Godard is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And <laughs> when he re, when he released his top twenty five films of the decade so far, number four is The Future. 
by Marina July, which wow. we, which we will be, which we that, will dis- I, which we will discuss in, in, in about an hour. Movie. Number three is Thou Wast mm. Mild and Lovely wow. by Josephine Decker, which Whomst we will probably wildly. talk about sooner. Whomst Wildly. Yes. Whomst Wildly, We Are Your Friends. Great film. What was that? Oh, I wanted to mention something about Children of Men, but we're so mm. far past it doesn't really matter yeah. anymore. I, I will say, though, I, I'll, I'll mm. skip all the details of the story except for my first copy of it. I had the guy who I did speech and debate with who was a couple years older than me and very much hung out in his basement on his computer. Mm. Amazing guy. Great guy. He found a torrent for me in 2007 and burnt it onto a little DVD for me. So somewhere in my family's basement, mm-hmm. there is a silver DVD in like underground scrawl and, oh and just says children of men. Like the girl with the dragon tattoo, actual DVD. Yes. Well, even less, even less fancy. Wow. <laughs> I was just... Because that's at least fake Sharpie. True. Sorry, Brandon. This is sweet, Brandon. It's complete. sweet. Brandon has a hangover today, everybody. Uh, I of all episodes, for my brain to be oatmeal, <laughs> the most discombobulating cinematic gymnastics. The movie that episode. I so badly want to be articulated You're about. It's your favorite today. movie of the year. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just Hel- Helena Howard in a sea turtle outfit dancing, hopping on the beach, Hop- hopping towards that's, the water. That's my brain right mm. now, <laughs> just hopping. But when, um, um. What's Molly Parker's character's name? Evangeline. Evangeline. When she hits that thing in the road and she's like, oh, it's dead and drives. That made me think of you, actually. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> was I the thing that got hit? No, not that you. Yes. I was thinking Brandon needs to stop crossing the street in the middle of the night. <laughs> me. I don't think that you would run over the animal, nor would you drive away. But when, when she said, it's dead. <laughs> like, That's very random. It made me think of... The continuation of like Lean on Pete, like mm. people just and like Headless Woman, like we've had a lot of moments of people, just people hitting cars and then continuing. The kid in Hereditary. Hereditary. <laughs> I had a lot of moments with horses the past week. Speaking, so the year of horses IMO continues. Mm, you it were truly a horse does. I was starring a, Penelope Cruz it, and Matt Damon. Honey, I wasn't whispering. <laughs> I was the horse screamer because every time I saw a horse, I went horse. <laughs> We passed several pastures in the car. Oh my god! And if we you went, pass a horse while you're driving, you don't yell horse. Or have you even seen a horse? Excuse me? Huh? Excuse moi? Have you, if, you pa- if you're driving and you pass a horse and you don't yell horse, have you even seen the horse? No, I That's agree. Nay. I say nay uh-huh. to that. You're supposed to scream, the, scream horse? I mean, I, horse! You, it's not that you're supposed to, but don't you just do? <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless you... Point out that there's unless, a horse. There's a horse! Unless you yourself are horse, and then you go... Oh, oh no! Oh, Unless wow. you're that dumbass woman and lean on Pete and just don't say horse at all and just don't disparage the beautiful social worker from Leave No Trace. Now, know, now that we know who she I is, know, I'm like all of a sudden coming to her, I'm rushing know. her. I'm, I am galloping to her defense. Uh, I am trotting. The movies in I am extended universe is so rich. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> we really extend to different universe. <laughs> 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 I'm just gonna be quiet. Oh, just it's gonna, fine. I'm just going to weep. Just know that anytime we say hey to one another, that's also big. What's then, the Ready too, Player One virtual reality? The, the, uh, the, the Oasis. Or, the Oasis. The Oasis. Thank you. I the, don't oh, know. the Oasis of our silly little podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will share. I want to share three fun movie moments from my family trip last week Please. because it's not going to come back up. Please. And I just think they're so lovely. The first is that my sister and I played for our grandmother who was on a bit of a classic music kick mm. we were in the car like on my grandma just got spotify oh. and 
my sister and I start telling her how beautiful the score is for In the Mood for Love. Mm-hmm. And then we just start describing what the movie is. And she's like, can we listen to that? So we just listen to the, the dun, 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 in my grandmother's car. And it was lovely. And just like, it's just like, you know, family. Is really Movies beautiful. like bring family together. You're just like minutes away from being like tired, drunk, as like being a thought in the kitchen in this movie. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm about like, to push my ass you are into Evangeline's away. husband and be like, I'm losing my virginity. Oh my god, <laughs> you I'm, are one minute away from being that. This is okay. So I don't. I don't think it's fun to like self consciously introduce things into the into our little like podcast language. But I did have a thought to myself at the beginning of that scene about something that I want to add to the lexicon, mm. which is that Evangeline's husband says, you're really talented. And then she goes, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> just fit a little myself. Helena Howard's cat. Oh. Her, especially her purring. Whatever she's doing with her mouth is I mean, so I, wild. I think that she is quite literally purring. <laughs> she's literally purring. If you had told me that Papa was not going to be the most... The, the most best, just the best cat that we discussed today. I know. I wouldn't have believed you. I, I forgot about like the cat element. And then of I was the like, uh, no, 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 of oh, Madeline. And then I was have like. Have you ever been outside? <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I mean, really outside. I uh, waiting for the darkness. <laughs> Brandon. That was so good. Do more. Do the one about... Um, Should I just be Papa this well, Yeah, actually, just for like the next minute, can you just be Papa? Say, there used to be just alive, not alive, and bird. And bird. <laughs> <laughs> Do it, please. There used to... <laughs> It's over. It was once okay, in a lifetime on. event. All right, that's fine. Maybe My favorite part of that movie on the spot. is when Miranda July at the end is now downstairs out of sight and she's like i'm still here and you realize she is the voice of papa mm-hmm. yeah i love that yeah i love that miranda july is the voice of papa of course i realized this because i rented it on amazon and then didn't mean it told you on the side. it told me on the side oh you guys did you know watching it that it was her i did i, I had seen it before yeah I only saw it the one time. And I actually... That's like the one detail about that movie that stands out to me, that I always knew that she voices the cat. I remember from Richard Brody's 10 reviews that he filed at the time (laughs) (laughs) that he he points out that Miranda July is the voice of Papa. And and he really really did write like 10 pieces for The New Yorker. I love that. One of them... I think because it, it, I, I I reached my monthly limit of New Yorker um, articles and it seemed like the end of the piece. Like I was mm. scrolling even past the big blocking, save 25% if you subscribe for a year. He wrote what it seems, so maybe someone can fact check me on this, but it's one paragraph long and the whole gist of the paragraph is like, we'll have plenty of time to discuss Miranda July's the future in the future. Make sure to see it. We'll have plenty of time to talk about it. It's really, really good. Gave me a lot to think about. Ah. Uh. I... File, <laughs> send tweet. <laughs> great content, just really good content. Have I told you guys I saw it? At the <laughs> great Arclight. copy, great, great copy. Take. The ArcLight Theater, and after the film, Miranda walked in and had a had a little basket of buttons that says "I have seen the future," and she oh, handed yeah. them out to everyone. That's quite nice. Were you here when that mm-hmm. you were living here at that time? Mm-hmm. <gasps> I remember you telling. Have you told that story Maybe. before? Because I remember that sound that rings a bell. I probably have. 
I, I love that. I don't know that. if I still have the button. It would be like with this detritus. Don't if I lose did. that button. You know the interesting, I hate the word interesting. The, I don't know, something about <laughs> words. If you found the button at the end of the podcast, that would be a nice button on the podcast. Mm. Nice. Um, <laughs> did you know that Miranda July has said in articles that she didn't want to be in Madeline's Madeline? Mm. She didn't want to act again. Um, what convinced her? Even though she's I think the jo- I best think, supporting actress of yeah. 2018 so far. I think Josephine just convinced her, like, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are. She was probably like, look, Miranda, that exact impulse that you have where you don't want to create because yeah. you understand what it takes out of you and what you are taking from other people, mm-hmm. other people's emotions to exploit for your own art here. Baby, that's what the movie's about. Yeah, man. it's perfect. It's perfect that she was, like, reluctant to do it. I think it was a Sundance it was a piece out of Sundance, like an interview maybe at Sundance. Um, but she said she was really, really scared to do it. I, I will say that the Sundance next section this past year was really impressive. And that I've only seen two of the ooh, Zama. Oh, the Zama episode returns. Pour more tea into my glass. <laughs> Shove not, your tea into the glass. Drinking? No, because I have to go to a class oh, at right. the end of this. Right, I forgot. It's not up to me to say what the class is, but <laughs> maybe you can tell the, uh, the people later. I don't want to be that guy that proselytizes. I know. I know. Do that, it. Be that not, guy. Don't. You know what? You're right. Don't turn it into content. I want you to be that guy. G U I. Oh God. We the animals and Madeline's uh, Madeline premiered in the same section, and they're two mm. of the most dizzyingly the inventive movies I've next? seen this year. I believe nice. We the Animals won the next. Oh. I believe it won next. Wow. Anyway, and next, I think I will say. Welcome to another episode of Movies IMO. We are your three fave film faggots. We are here to chat about the cinema together. That was a fun sound. Ooh. <laughs> See, that kind of sounds like Papa, too. <laughs> Have you ever experienced <laughs> bird? <laughs> okay, shut up. <laughs> I'm Daniel Crook. I'm Papa. I'm Ben MV. And today we are here to discuss, I don't want to call it anti-cinema, that's certainly not what we're here to talk about at all. No. But we're, we're going to talk about a handful of movies here, predominantly Josephine Decker's new film, Madeline's Madeline, and a handful of others that sort of straddle the line between critiquing the art and mm. being the art themselves. Mm. Some things that really get into the human condition. Mm. If I'm being real, we're gonna chat mm. about. Maybe we're gonna chat about the. Do it again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the sort of thing where like the mm. sound was funny, but it was more the way that you like pushed your lips and mm. pushed them towards the mic. Mm. Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Bridget Bardot, much? <laughs> I just like that shot of Bridget Bardot in the. Brandon, don't take off your pants. In the sunglasses, just like. Mm. <laughs> if I didn't know it was possible for sunglasses themselves to be judgmental, <laughs> she's giving side eye in the glasses. And the, you're talking about when they go to Capri? The shot just of her just like. In the boat, right? Yeah. But she like doesn't want to go no. the whole time. And then we cut. It's almost. So I was. I was and, and then we cut to her in the boat looking very uh, so disgruntled. Old. But she has on these black sunglasses that are just like projecting all of this fuck you energy. And I recently declared. <clears throat> And I'm only I'm only making a point of it because it took me it's ten the minutes. First, <laughs> the first image on Google. It, she looks like Goldie Hawn in Overboard. She oh does. yeah. I'm only gonna bring this up uh. not because it's a tweet that I'm proud of, but because it took me like 15 minutes to make this gif. 
But I have said that I think that the most tragic comic tragic comic cut in the movies is in Barry Lyndon where we cut from this and you guys haven't seen it so I'll just say we cut from this skirmish to a shot of Barry alone on a balcony and then it slowly zooms out on him alone and it's hilarious but also like oh god how did you get here that is like the second most tragic comic cut in any movie I've ever seen in Contempt that Bridget Bardot in Contempt is living in America today that's the metaphor well, hey, so, I like so to we're here to talk about Madeline's Madeline and then sorry I, I, let me just say the other things we're talking about it, and then continue please we were talking about Josephine Decker's Thou West Mild and Lovely. Whomst? Whomst wildly. We are your friends. <laughs> Jean-Luc Godard's Cotempt. 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 Le Mepris. Battleship Contemptgun. And oh. then we are going to talk about Miranda July's The Future. Mm. And we will also talk about Charlie Kaufman's Synecdoche, New York. We need to talk about the Synecdoche and the Synecdoche of it all. I think it's just a pun. It's a pun. What does synecdoche mean? It means it's like descri- disparate pieces coming it means together. Des- it means describing Something. the whole by a piece. Yeah. Oh. So if I was to be like, if I was going to talk about, for instance, because we are we are just sipping on some delicious Anchor Steam beer brewed with pride in San Francisco. If I was to refer to a six pack as like, we've got six bottles. I'm saying six bottles instead of six beers. Hmm. It's actually, well, I guess that, that, yeah, that's close enough. Or if I was to be like, you know what? I think that that example stands. Great. Great. What are you doing? I was just Googling Synecdoche. Oh. Schenectady. Schenectady. Whatever. Vicky Creeps and Phantom Fid. Schenectady. <laughs> Oh, he's like, oh, she liked that one. <laughs> Which I just rewatched for the fifth time. Woo! I'm here to tell you. It's a pretty good movie. Is it? You have no breasts. <laughs> I still haven't watched it at home. Well, I watched it on my phone on the airplane. Oh, nice. So I took a lot of screenshots. Nice. Oh, that's actually, watching on your phone is the best way to take a screenshot. Because mm-hmm. you can just be like, go, <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Yeah. I love Hunter Harris posting that still, but it's, I will never, st- I, I stand the longest. Or what did she say? She yeah. says, I can stand the longest. <laughs> Nobody can stand as long as I can. No one can stand mm. as long as I can. That's it's what I've her, uh, her talking about to all Hunter the boys. Harris. Yes. Queen. Newly 24 years old. I love her so much. Truly a queen. Mm-hmm. Can't believe she's 24 years old. How, actually, I don't mind putting this on the public record. Had a little bit of a meltdown when I found out that Hunter Harris is 24 years old. Because oh, I, absolutely. I looked up to her as an authority figure of mm-hmm. around 30 years. <laughs> And I still look up to her, even though she's younger than me. But I did have a moment of, oh, God, all the pop stars really are younger than me, huh? I was texting about Hunter Harris the other day, and I almost said, I just want mom to notice me. And then I was like, I shouldn't call her mom because she's like five years younger than me. But then the person I was talking but to. But to call her a daughter her is, even, is, is, an, is an assumption. I would True. never presume to even come from the same lineage because she is so much smarter than me. See, I just because like she to call loves, her my daughter would be such an insult. She loves my her. alt account so much. That oh, we that's have right. That's right. A kinship. Yes. You do. Speaking of all those deer that I saw, mm-hmm. she quote tweeted and cackled at the deer. Right. Didn't she quote tweet it like months later and was like, yeah. "I still think." I think about she's this. done it a few times. She loves. She just it. brings mm-hmm. it up every you now. You gotta and then. bring back it's the like, deer. I send. I send. I, I. I will alert Chris File every six months or so that I still think he has the funniest tweet of all time, which is. <laughs> It's the picture of Amy Adams in the fighter that says, I love my life, Dickie. And the caption is, that feel when you love your life, Dickie. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> oh, God. Ah! Okay. 
Okay, so we are here to talk about Josephine Decker's Madeline's Madeline. Mm. You know, experimental runaway. Where to start? Fade from the Sunday at the end, Festival. which is also the beginning. The end is also the beginning. So thank you so much. This has been Movies IMO. You can find us on Twitter at Movies IMO. We are all born on this thinking This is just ships. a metaphor because it's an audio-only medium. Yes. Oh, I should say on the idea that what we're going to talk about today is going to be like a really smart, brainy uh, decoding of the deconstructions going on. Everything you are about to experience is a metaphor. <laughs> And now this is a metaphor. I'm only going to stand. This is That's a metaphor for the sinking ship. I'm just going to stand. I am going to try to articulate my feelings and thoughts, but we'll see. Oh, what I mean, I still am figuring out her me. cutting out the faces of the magazines. I mean, I understand it all comes back to living through someone else's experience, which I think ties interestingly into Synecdoche, New York, and that this movie is more concerned about the ethics of ownership mm-hmm. and storytelling. Right. And in Synecdoche, he really only transcends once he is able to embody Ellen's perspective and actually View experience from, the outside. from someone else's right. life. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole... Well, we'll talk about Synecdoche later on. I have the, a lot to say specifically about that. I guess a place to start with Madeline is just, I mean, the obvious, like, Josephine is Evangeline. Helena Howard is... Helena Howard? Is uh, Madeline, you know, like... right. Josephine felt as if she was being that like way too obsessed with Mm -hmm. this actress that she discovered and so it's very like self-reflexive in that way and I know I think that's a great place to start because I'm driving over here I've just had my you know $35 side of salmon from lemonade and what and (laughs) did you really yes was it that much yes $35 for a side of salmon why would you do that I was hungry. Who goes to lemonade? I went to lemonade because I... I only get lemonade at lemonade. It's actually not $35. It's $45. What's that? What? Yeah, Brandon. And not even with a side of market greens or anything. Are you pulling my leg? I certainly am not. It's the mustard glaze that costs so much because they they ship every single mustard seed from the south of France. Uh. <laughs> the contempt mustard seeds. You know, I tried to make a mustard glaze recently, bitch. And honey must or you, like a deej? Like a deej. Nice. And you know what I did? I think deej is. Oh, it, go ahead. It please. called for two egg yolks. <laughs> I didn't beat the yolks. I just plopped them in. <laughs> oh. How did that go? Not well. Budding <laughs> chef over here. <laughs> Not just, well. Just like cream is essential for porridge. Mm. Deej is essential to the human condition. Mm, thank saying. you. I agree. But I jumping off what you said, so I'm dry, I've just paid seventy five dollars <laughs> for a side of salmon at Lemonade. <laughs> I hate you. Not even a lemonade on the this. This is a very Charlie Kaufman esque <laughs> conversation. <laughs> is that the number keeps getting bigger right. earnestly? Right. So I maxed out my credit card on salmon, <laughs> and I'm coming over here, and I think. This is such like this is such a kaleidoscopic film. It's brimming. It's actually bursting with ideas. What is your entry point into any of this? And so I was thinking along those lines, which is, what is the film? And we don't actually have to truly grapple with this, but I'll just say it. Like, what is the film's attitude towards artistic creation? Yeah, because I don't think it's as simple as it's it is prostitution against someone's right. own will. Because there is also a level of community within this collective, especially mm-hmm. at the end of the film after they kick out Evangeline and they're just on the floor like rolling their tongues and yeah. harmonizing, yeah. which is quite literally a harmonious moment of creative collaboration. So I don't think that Josephine Decker is saying, no, this is... She's she's grappling with... This is wicked. She also the- wouldn't have made the movie. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Which in contempt, 
I actually of all because everything that we watched for this is in some way being critical of the creation mm-hmm. of art. Mm-hmm. But Contempt is the only one where I'm like, well, you know what, Jean-Luc Godard, maybe just don't make any movies then if you hate him so much. <laughs> just don't fucking make them. But in this, but I'm like, jo- I love this perspective. Yeah, because Josephine, <clears throat> I mean, um, you're right. She wouldn't have made the movie. And the reason, I saw an interview recently where she said the movie felt self-indulgent and pointless until she found Helena Howard. And Helena Howard literally made the movie. And so, I mean, she made the she was the purpose for Josephine to actually follow through with it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like, is it still self-indulgent? Is it her using this actress? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, I think she grapples with all that stuff. I think this stuff, this is a different conversation, I guess, but the I, whole idea of self-indulgence is generally fraudulent to me or the yeah. way, the way that we contextualize self-indulgence in a movie, because we simultaneously crave an auteurist driven cinema mm-hmm where we want someone to go so far up their own asshole that we can see their insides, which are only their insides. Only they could shoot their insides like this. Yep. But when we don't like, I'm going to get away from that metaphor. When we don't like the taste of it, oh. for like a better word. Oh. Sorry. I, those things are not connected. I swear to God. We call, we, we call it self-indulgent. innards. We call, we call it, okay. Jesus fucking Christ. This is not the Hannibal episode, Branson. It could be. Maybe one day. Wow. I'm, I mean, I guess I started this, but now I'm a little upset. <laughs> uh, we, we use words like pretentious, self-indulgent. Yes. Naval gazing. Naval gazing. Yeah, exactly. Which is wild because that is, that is what we demand. Like that g- generally, mm-hmm. the auteur theory won out. That's what we want from movies. So yep. the idea that, the idea that Madeline's Madeline is so far, it's, uh, I'm just going to get away from the butt altogether and stick to the navel, the front butt. Just like Miranda in that episode of Second yes. City, she just wants to get away from the butt. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Oh, and now, and now we're going and back yells, to I don't want to do that. <laughs> and she yells into the butt. <laughs> I'm just going to not talk about that anymore. I want to talk about time. my... You, you referenced points of entry. I want to talk about my well, I, I, I referenced a couple points of entry. <laughs> the butt's a point because of entry. Because <laughs> I texted Brandon about this earlier, but you hadn't seen the movie yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. It takes a minute to like get on the movie's wavelength. Yes. It's mm-hmm. very unconventional. Yes. The moment where I was all in is when Miranda July cries in the car thinking Madeline has been bullied. Yes. It's very I was, powerful. I was just like, I, I mean, I thought it was funny. But it's, it's funny. I think but this movie you, is pretty funny. I do too. No, it is funny. Gut wrenching, but, but mm-hmm. very funny. It's 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 funny. I mean, powerful in the sense that oh, Miranda's bringing it. Yes, Miranda's and here. It's just like to she play. showed She's, up to work. Yeah, exactly. and there's nothing. It's like funny camp in the truest sense of camp. In that she isn't. She's doing it fully authentically. Ernest there's is, yeah. no sense of irony in mm-hmm. what she's doing mm-hmm. and it makes it so good and mm-hmm. she's so real and then further when she's like well let's just watch the porn yeah I love that moment this is what we were doing the most heartbreaking is when Jesus we'll get into Evangeline we'll get into Molly Parker I mean this is one of the best acted movies one of the best trios mm-hmm. I've seen since Phantom Thread frankly yeah. yeah all three central performances are just staggering in their specificity and emotional depth I would agree but when Evangeline is speaking with Regina and well I'll, I'll get into that later but basically when she's convinced Regina to to come to the class the mm-hmm. acting class for it I didn't even say what the movie was about so I'll do that after this um, and I think I can do it um, 
Regina, uh, sorry, Miranda July has a moment where she just says, like, I wonder, like, if she saw something in me. I Oh, that's so funny you bring that, because I was thinking about that moment on my drive over here, mm-hmm. how good Ugh. she is in that moment. She she really thinks that she's been picked. Yeah. and She feels special. Little does she know that the entire piece is completely exploiting her own um, open emotional borders yeah. <laughs> with her daughter. Okay, so, can, Matt. Uh, can we borrow your sweater? Go get a go grab her sweater, and then they and buy, the and then they buy, like, and then they buy like seven identical yes. sweaters. And yes, all wearing it. <laughs> the my okay. worst nightmare. When, when, <laughs> we're gonna have to return to this because I think the most devastating moment in the movie is Regina getting up from the class after watching Madeline perform her monologue as Regina just spouting mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. all of these concerns, really, that her mother has had for her mm-hmm. and yeah. and articulated perhaps a little too or a little too frankly or without a deft motherly touch. Um, some of which she has previously told the class were in dreams. Yeah. She ironed her hand in real life. Like that's not, a, that wasn't a dream. Right. But anyway, she just Regina gets up, Miranda July just like can't take anymore, gets up and leaves. And then in, in what really is sort of a staggeringly performed monologue, mm-hmm. uh, Madeline wraps it up. And then Evangeline is just like that you are so fucking talented and and doesn't and just starts not keeping about her praise and doesn't where regina is exactly she, <laughs> she's that, that's the point she doesn't she doesn't point out that we never her see mother regina again in the film i know which i love and mm-hmm. that's where i think that because i don't think this is a cynical movie i actually think it's it's refreshingly frank about the artistic process and about the act of creation mm-hmm. um but why would we return to her and yeah. The, the damage it's is done. It's not about her anymore, yeah. It's like... It's well, it, in a way, like, what the movie... Like, what she's about is... Or who she becomes is a casualty. Yeah. To someone's... It reminded frank me expression. of... Frank expression. Yeah. How I think the structure of All About Eve is just perfect in that it sort of loses Betty Davis along the way in, that's the, point. in the actual thread of the movie. And because that's what the movie is about. And same, uh-huh. same and with this, like the first here. A Star is Born. Yeah. I mean, he literally disappeared. Well, I don't want to... He walks into the ocean. But... <laughs> oh. oh, right. Sorry. Oh, I don't care. I, I It happens in all of them. It happens in Madeline's Madeline, You're, too. You can't spoil a 70-year-old movie. I think it's older than that. <laughs> 80, whatever. Okay, Madeline's Madeline is about a 17-year-old actress... Named Madeline. No, who, she's not seventeen yet. Oh, she's sixteen. My she's bad. She's gonna be seventeen. I really thought I was gonna, gonna nail this. I really thought I was gonna nail this. Her virginity to Molly Parker's husband, I guess. Oof. I mean, he's hot. She is a sixteen-year-old. She has a his, She has a history of. Well, she has an eating disorder. She has mental illness. And I don't mean to define her by these things, but as an artistic outlet, she has been accepted into this prestigious experimental theater troupe. Um. And the film is sort of exploring her relationship with her difficult relationship with her mother, mm-hmm. who is desperately trying to understand her and care for her, and maybe does have a pretty good idea of who she is, but the communication is all broken down and fucked up, which okay. obviously it's there's more than that. But and her relationship with this other mother figure, played by Molly Parker, Evangeline, who is the director of this theater company, um, Evangeline and Madeline strike up this. Uh, surrogate mother-daughter relationship and as soon as Evangeline finds out about her difficult relationship with her mother she tries to bring that to life in an original theater piece with the troupe starring Madeline as herself Um, and then eventually those lines weave and bob and combust and her name is Zia it's a character. That is Zia. Like I, that, I love that, that the... is that is the biggest fuck you. Mo- or no, it's not even a fuck you moment. It's like truly, you have not deluded yourself to this level mm-hmm. that you can separate the art from the artist. When when Regina 
leaves because she's so upset and and i just like when the rest of the cast like looks at evangeline is like so you're they just tell it tell it to her straight you're doing her life honestly you're exploiting her we're not in this anymore i was simultaneously thrilled to be like i was right that's what the movie's about Mm -hmm. and thinking to myself i don't need it spelled out like this i like it i confront i like confronting i like no, the, confer- the confrontation is I great. Like, you, yeah. it's necessary yeah. the, the whole ending is this beautiful confrontation and proves how art can actually heal mm-hmm. oh my gosh and, that and, ending and, and combat <laughs> um evil mm-hmm. um i just wish that the line wasn't literally like i mean it doesn't bug me so much i mean i think the movie is basically perfect um but i i, I don't like it when people Yell, yell out, out what the movie's about, yeah. but it's chill. Fair. It just, it just feels so natural in that moment. Well, it's such like an, a place of open communication yes. and and like they, frankness. it is what's happening, and and for them to spell it out to her, it, it feels authentic. Like yeah, that it's like actually... you're really not seeing this. Yeah, like, or like you're you're, you? you're really in this far in denial about it. Like it's not as bad as at the end of Secrets and Lies to me when Timothy Spall <laughs> oh just yells, "We're all in pain all the time." That is pretty egregious. That's sad. Doesn't he say the word secrets and lies too? I think so. No, that's oh, worse no. for me. I, I actually, I like that moment. Like, we're all in pain. I don't secrets like that. and lies. We're all just washing these secrets and lies. I it's think... the titular role. <laughs> it's the titular role. When Timothy Spall yells at secrets and lies and secrets and lies. It's the titular role. Lie. What? I was trying to say nice, and it almost came out lice. Yikes. Nice. We're, all, we're having a lot of issues Did with Did you get bodies. this apartment sprayed? Or, oh, how great is the sound design on Kate and Gotard's Ooh. body in Synecdoche, New York? Uh, oh. Oh, what huh? were you going to say? Oh, I was going to talk about the sound design in Madeline's face at one point. And it's like. like <laughs> the sound design in Madeline's Madeline sits but right up there with Lucretia and Lynn. Ooh. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Doesn't it? I yes. wonder if she did it herself. I don't know who the sound no, design No, there, there's an was. aggravating non-diegetic quality to it that feels emotionally true and roots you into the perspective of the lead character. That's why when you I said, love when interiority. You were, when you commented on her purring, I was like, I wonder if they overlaid actual purring on it. I yeah, think that they could did. be. Because it seems very like, I don't think a human mouth could make that sound. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Unless Helen Howard is truly that up much of a breakout. Maybe she's part cat. Maybe she's part cat. Who knows? Maybe she's literally part cat. So are you a cow man or. We'll talk about that later. You a cow man or a horse man? Well, you a bridge you of spies, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Thou'st whomstly madly. The, the th- we are your friends. The three of us are all horsemen, though, to be real. Oh boy. Horses IMO. Horses IMO. Ew, don't wink at me. I'm winking at you. <laughs> oh dear. You know what I'm talking about. Oh dear. Yeah, we can't talk about Oh. Oh well. See? Uh Ben. What? Nothing. We can't talk Nothing. about it. We can't talk about it. <laughs> we can't uh, talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do my dramatic reading? Yes. yes. Great. So to segue us into ahem, Roger Ebert's favorite film of the decade. I'm going to read the first paragraph of his write-up. Synecdoche, New York, is the best film of the decade. It intends... (laughs) That's the first sentence. It intends no less than to evoke the strategies we use to live our lives. After beginning my first viewing in confusion, I began to glimpse its purpose, and by the end was eager to see it again, and then once again, and I am not finished. 
Charlie Kaufman understands how I live my life, and I suppose his own, and I suspect most of us. Faced with the bewildering demands of time, space, emotion, morality, lust, greed, hope, dreams, dreads, and faiths, we build compartments in our minds. It is a way of seeming sane. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. Thanks, Roger. I the mean, best thing about Roger is, you know, he just banged that out and oh, he didn't yeah. revise it. Nope, he was just like, blah, 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 blah. I just want to look up when the movie Wait, came out and you when gonna... he wrote that because I feel like it was within a week of each other. Are we going to discuss that in relation <laughs> to Madeline's Madeline? That paragraph you just said. Oh, well, sure. It relates, I think. <laughs> and that's why I thought you were reading it. Oh, no, I just thought it was beautiful. <laughs> he was just ready to read it. I just like reading it. I couldn't wait anymore. I couldn't wait a minute. I well, couldn't then, wait another minute. Well, then here, I'll share my quotes about... Uh, it's, we're having a reading circle. I'll share my quote. I mean, but I'm editing the quote for my own purposes. So this is from the artiste Car Seat Headrest's last album. And this, I think, relates to all of the films that we've been watching, but just about how they are subverting conventions of cinematic language also thwarting your expectations of how something will resolve or how something will build, how a character dynamic is evoked, how a scene is constructed, um, and how it sort of has an ag- not an aggravating sensation, but like Ben was saying about Madeline's Madeline, it forces you to get on its level. And I think that a lot of these films could be dismissed using those words I was saying earlier as pretentious as self-indulgent, as so far up their own asshole, they make no sense. And I just, this quote from a Car Seat Headrest song that doesn't quite apply, but I think if you change the one word that changes the entire meaning of his line, in my opinion, you get at what it's doing to your brain and why some people have difficulty not processing, but taking the trip along with these more unconventional experimental approaches to form and content. So I'm so the I'm gonna I'm gonna swap out the word sadness. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it as it is. But when I say sadness, just think about like the the form how the form is different, you know. So it's just because it's not the sadness that hurts you; it's the brain's reaction against it. So I think a lot of these movies, you are trying to make sense. You're trying to you're trying to put on traditional cinematic uh, language. You're you're trying to convention exactly. Um, it, so it's not, and it's this is what I've said about Zama. Like she's not saying "fuck you," I'm going to disorient you and dash your expectations precisely to say I'm smarter than you. It's about creating that dissonance in your brain, and that's where you really get to the magic of these movies. Yeah, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna do a dramatic reading too. Great, please. It's the reading circle <clears throat> of my... maybe <laughs> of my life. If you had a fucking business. <laughs> That you were passionate about? Did you log? Let's read. Let's hear the log. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, what is this? I'm gonna do a dramatic reading of my log of Madeline's Madeline. Oh, oh, this is a good one. Miranda July, I am out. <laughs> Thank you. I if you ask you. me, it's Miranda July, Miranda August, Miranda September, is all it, year oh round. Oh my god, I just thought it was July for a second. Oh. No, no, it's not. It's I loved that reading. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if you had a Madeline that you were fucking passionate about, <laughs> then the Madeline that you're Madelineing, then then you would. Know, this is this is what Regina is saying to Evangeline. Maybe if you had a Madeline that you were passionate about, <laughs> I can't finish it. Then 
Then you would know what it's like to run a fucking... To have a Madeline, but you don't. She's my daughter. (laughs) Um, Madeline to Regina when Regina says she can't go to rehearsal. Maybe. If you had a fucking business that you were passionate about. (laughs) And then Regina gets the business, and Mm -hmm. she's beginning to be passionate about it. And then she realizes, oh no, I'm, 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 I'm the, I'm not the corporation and the means of production can we talk about the final 10 minutes sure sure i don't know let's Someone talk else about say something i just like it a lot regina's open heart mm. going about the acting exercise oh my god that's what I to talk about. so sweet where, she's, where she's, she's, she's in the front and she's got all the actors behind them and the exercise is there to mimic everything she's doing uh-huh. and it's also very devastating and tragic because she doesn't realize that the work they've been doing for the past couple of months is this exercise yeah. writ large. They're all trying to do as she does mm-hmm. and emulate her so specifically and evocatively. And just like her watching her get into it and sort of give herself over into that vulnerable space that you need to be in allegedly to create good art. Yeah. And then she realizes she's been completely taken advantage of. What I love is that like when the other guy is doing it first, he's doing like, I don't know, he's like jumping or just like moving his arms, sort of like Dorinda on the Real Housewives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Regina like chooses actual things to do. Like which grab is, her phone. Which is actually like a much more authentic form of acting. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a much more artistic impulse to actually fix the strap on her sandal uh-huh. and to go check her phone. And because it's just like a purely it, natural It shows action. how well she knows herself. That she and that she goes like down to behavior. adjust that sandal because she does it. Yeah, it's, it's her behavior. She does it every single day, multiple times a day. And it's yeah, behavior she says, not like, that mannerism. Right. The other acting is mannerism and this mm-hmm. is behavior. Yeah. And that's more important in acting. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not the point of that moment, but it's there. It and is. I love it. Yeah. And I just love. So how do we get from there to the monologue at that point? Uh, it's just the it's just the conclusion just, of the scene because we, yeah. we, it's basically a montage of different acting exercises. Regina just is sitting, and then I think it just jumps to Madeline in the monologue. Okay. And all of a sudden, just... everyone's wearing her blue sweater. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. God, it's so rough. And then I like when Madeline just like collapses at the end of it and just her face just shuts down and she's just staring. Uh, when she's done with the monologue, well, she realizes that she empty. wrote a bad song, Petey. <laughs> she's just empty. I love that. Yeah. It, like it's... everything just literally poured out of her. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's also a really interesting like pull behind what acting is mm-hmm. yeah. and that. The vessel. Yeah. And like it's empty. Like, a lot of actors are like vacant in their real lives. Not to be mean, but yeah. there are like two types of actors. Yeah, it takes a lot to show up and actually do the There's job. There's the Laura Dern actor do the job. who's just themselves on screen at all times and radiate themselves. And then there are people that like do this transformative thing and you know that when they're done, they just sit quietly and that's all they do because they've given everything that they have. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. and it it's not it's also not a fuck you to the audience of like these emotions are fake. I can't take a picture with you right now. But it's also like look like when the movie ends, these people are just sitting quietly. Mm-hmm. Like it's there is more to just the scene that you saw. And it's a really complicated uh not it's not an ethical question, but it's a complicated like 
No, question I mean, there's other eth- there's a, other ethical yeah, questions. It's being a question raised, of manipulation. It's like you feel it's just it pulls back the curtain that you're being duped by movies always. Right. Yeah. Well, it's the it's the whole it's make believe. It's the whole question or it's the whole statement of what you're feeling or not. It, it's not actually your feelings. It's yeah. the emotions of someone else. Mm-hmm. And that even if it comes from a real place, it's still a performance. Mm-hmm. It's inherently fraudulent. Mm-hmm. Because it is a that's what it is manipulation. It mm-hmm. is a lie. It is a performance. Mm-hmm. What I also love about that moment when she like shuts down and uh, Evangeline's like, "Oh my God, wow!" You have to wonder. <laughs> She's if, like, like, "Wow, the ingenuity of white women." <laughs> wow, wow, wow! You have to wonder if josephine on set at some point when helena howard the camera stopper she was like wow uh-huh. great job helen you know yeah. because it's a very... star is born yeah Quite, helena howard's yeah. playing 50 different parts in this movie mm-hmm. and every single one is delivered pitch perfectly. And I, I think it's so brave's the wrong word but i can't I think, think of a better brave I, well i think that's brave um it's it's josephine like not making fun of herself but addressing that part of being yeah, a director and like having yeah absolutely having a muse and like how you treat most, that muse most venomously i think in the close up of evangeline after she's gotten off to the phone, off the phone with regina saying i'm just going to take her home mm. and it's i mean i, I love mm. the tight close ups in this movie but mm-hmm. the way that she has lit her face specifically the light around the eyes she has these yeah. verdant is the wrong word cuz that implies friendly just these sharp green eyes yes. and and they completely take over the frame yeah and she seems like a snake or a hawk or whatever whatever you want to use and, she, and, and seems you, like she's a predator and yeah. you realize and, and and if you want to say snake it, it's her it, it's the garden of eden it, it's yeah. u- using this sweet uh manipulative flattering language in order to get someone to do what you want them to yeah. right and, and what yeah i was just gonna say, the first time we really see that is the photography mm-hmm. shoot mm. where she is finally, she's just like, you know, I know that these are perfect and they're exactly what we talked about, but now that I see them, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. <laughs> right. And like, do this. When she's like, talk, just like, act how you were feeling when your mom gave you the sex talk. And then she doesn't. And she's like, oh, well, wouldn't, wouldn't you also be sad? Right. <laughs> yeah. She's like manipulating to get what she right. wants. Yeah. A little less depressed. <laughs> I think that the magic act of Molly Parker's performance, or I should say the high wire act, is the way that she teeters between compassionate and conniving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's what made her breakout performance on The House of Cards so compelling. That What's her name? Jackie? Yeah, Jackie I Sharp? Remember. I think yes, I haven't watched right. the show in, a year, in years. She starts as this idealistic young congresswoman who is actually going to take on corruption, who is maybe going to run for president or something, or run for senate or something. But she she is chosen to manipulate precisely because of how pure she is. Mm-hmm. And then as the show goes on, she ends up being the ultimate snake in the grass. And I'm not saying that Molly Parker can only do one thing. I'm saying that from what I've seen of Molly Parker, she does this one thing really fucking well. Yeah. Have you seen Deadwood? Oh, she's in that. Yeah, I forget who um, she is. I've seen I the first handful of episodes, and it's, and it's great. Yeah, she's amazing. She's just always amazing. We as gay people have failed Molly Parker so far. Yeah, now and now's now our maybe, chance to pay attention again. Maybe so, she's going to blossom out because I maybe she's hope going so. to bloom. She, mm, um, <laughs> wow. yeah, wow. no, I think all three actresses here get yeah. awards. <clears throat> hope so. Indie indie yeah. spirit awards. Gotham, My hope maybe. is like. Oh, New York City film critics are yes. best supporting actress. Yes. Both best of them. <laughs> critics, no, critics I think Molly circles. Parker's a co-lead. 
Oh, sure. Nah, okay. nah, nah. Supporting actress. Yeah, so like if You're we right. were to fill out our ballots, are both Molly and Miranda uh, supporting? supporting and See, then Helen is lead. Because That's how I would. I think because, yeah. because Madeline is predominantly living in that theater troupe world, mm-hmm. and Molly is with her as a tete-a-tete in essentially every scene. And Regina is a character we only see in the home life, which is right. a smaller part of the film. That was my thinking earlier about to break them up. But as they both play these mother roles, you know, it's like a tale of two mommies. Yeah. I guess in a way they could be on equal footing because emotionally they're satisfying similar requirements, even though they're very different roles. Yeah. I mean, I think you could category fraud them into either. Yeah. You could I was gonna shove say, Molly I think into that, lead. Uh, just because I think it's not M- Molly's story, but... It's all of our story. Yes. <gasps> wow. It's, it's all of our story. It is. I. It's a character, Zia. <laughs> <laughs> it's a character, Madeline. Uh, I will say about Molly Parker at the end when we get that shot from behind her. Oh yeah, I was going to bring that up. Her freckled back. I just got to quote Mitzi on this one. I could stare at her back, back all day. All day. Ah. I was going to tweet that lyric about like, Molly Parker's back. No, but just in. Just about life. I like um, when Miranda is just like, she's on, uh, Regina's on her little high, like talking about, oh, I think she picked me. And then she <sighs> so she rough. pivots back to her usual concern. She's like, she's very freckly. Do you think she pays attention <laughs> to her? All it, all it takes is one. All it takes is one. I hope she's on top of that. <laughs> Which immediately made me think about all my rogue freckles. Oh, oh I, thought I need to be on, on vacation. I will say. By <laughs> at Alyssa Limperis. <laughs> there were some, every single day of my vacation. It wasn't just my mom. It was my grandparents. It was me. It was my sisters. My dad was everyone. Wrong again. Refers to the weatherman. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's August. It's a volatile season yeah, in the Southeast. paid a lot of money to be wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Maybe he was right. <laughs> maybe he was right. <laughs> Sun's coming out. Hey, how are you? <laughs> it pains me that people can't see I the, did the, eye roll. the second part of it. <laughs> Misfits today. This movie is. We're just. A, this movie is throwing us for a loop. <laughs> is Peter here? <laughs> what did that motherfucker give Madeline? Let's see. I guarantee you, Peter Travers has not yet reviewed it. Let's find out. I bet they gave it to the junior guarantee. critic at Rolling Stone. Which, because uh, funny the, enough, would have been David Ehrlich. I know. Two years ago. Can I he, tell you what? What am I saying? I don't know. Peter Travers only watches movies that are not for movie pussies. And this one might, this one, well, this one, this one's not for movie pussies. It might be because it's It's about so disorienting. A it's about oh, a movie pussy. It is, a, there is a movie pussy in the film. And so we won't be talking about the future. That's definitely about a movie pussy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Is there he, a cat in Schenectady? Schenectady? Whomst Wildly is about pussy. This movie's about S E X. Nice. It's a nice. nice. Getting down. Uh, oh, I know uh, what I was going to say. She's Rolling. writhing in the grass. All right, cut most of that. Mm. Rolling Stone has gone from four stars to five stars. On Madeline? No, but oh, like with movies? Uh, on like instead of out of four, it's out of five. Oh, because mm. they've always done that with albums. They've always out had of the five. five star and four star on the movies. Mm. But now they're both five. One of my most prized possessions, which I have on my bookshelf on the top of my waist high bookshelf in my bedroom in North Carolina is the 2008 Rolling Stone from the presidential campaign mm. with Barack Obama smiling with his eyes closed looking down with mm. his suit and America pen which I bought when I was living in LA for the summer in 2008 wow. when I was interning on the Fox animated hit King of the Hill oh my god and I have saved it all this Classic. time and it is prominently displayed in my bedroom 
and it used wow. to I mean it still makes me happy but now it's more about hope than it is anything else mm. I anyway. love that it's more about remembering and, our and, Weimar and, and, Republic yes <laughs> and Peter Travers gives the Dark Knight four no I think he gives it three and a half stars out of four yeah why'd that come up because it's in the issue because oh. it's Peter Travers. We were just talking about Peter Travers. No, Brandon. I know, guys. My Here, brain is here's, oatmeal. Here's the thing, though, about my brain is Madeline's a sea Madeline. turtle on the beach. Here's the intersection of Peter Travers and Madeline's Madeline. It actually does knock you for a loop, and that a lot of these cuts are done like with loops. Like the camera, yes. like swoops one way, and You're then and same swooping. same in Thou Whomst We Are Your Friends. The camera swoops, and then it cuts to the next scene, and oh, it's a yeah. continuation of the talk, swoop. So, yeah, let's talk no, about... talking about Holmes Wild. Like, we got to talk about the editing what of is that, the whole her, thing. Her second movie? Yes, because she, she does a... This is she the does third a, she film. Does a short she films. does lather in the butter pan. No, I believe she directed the film called. Butter, starring Jennifer oh. Garner. About the woman who sculpts butter <laughs> for county fairs. What's it called? It's called, like, Lather Me in Butter. It's called Butter in the Grass. It's called Butter Me... To, I love her mind. Her mind. Her mind. Uh, I love it. Um, but yeah, her 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 shooting style, her editing—it's all very. That, that's, I yeah. mean, that's a good way of describing oh. it. It's, it's, it's very. <laughs> it's it's it. There is butter on the latch. Butter on the latch. A sixty-eight minute film. How long is Madeline? Ninety-three. Oh, it's a long one for Miss Deckard. Yeah. It is because Hoomst is like seventy. Yeah. So. This phrase has been trotted out a few times around Josephine Decker, sort of in a crystallizing way in Madeline's Madeline, that she has invented her own cinematic language. Mm-hmm. I think that it's true. I also Kinda think is. I also think that Miranda July has invented her own cinematic language. Mm-hmm. And if you're really gonna get up and dick Brody's beard about it, I imagine that's why he loves those artists because that's what Godard was all about. Right. Um, it's about well, we'll get into contempt in a minute, but they exhibit that DIY. Um, self-reflexively referencing and critiquing cinematic language by acting counter to it. You can't Mm -hmm. break the rules unless you know the rules, and both of these filmmakers really know the rules. Right. Um, And it's apparent because, like I was saying about, or I think before we got on the microphone about Whomst Wildly, We Are Your Friends, is that I'm watching this movie. I'm totally enraptured by the visuals of it. It's very Terrence Malick. It's very ephemeral, and I love all the swoops with the edits. It reminds me of a subjective Andrea Arnold. I love that. I was trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out it's who meets whomst, and I guess Andrea. There's a lot of Andrea Arnold in there. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, just how like depraved everyone's body language is at all times, and just like the way the camera is just always in your face, Mm -hmm. and there's no separation. Like the camera has a bead of sweat coming down it permanently (laughs) because it is just humid with emotion Uh and subjection. I was getting all up in Dick Brody's beard, but here we are. Just the, in the beard of it's Richard like Brody. it's like Brandon. The, that's my foot. This is this is uh, oh yeah the yeah, post, the post of Madeline's Madeline face instead beard. of the three of our heads poking out of a red curtain. It is Whenever Richard I Brody's see that like not full beard. size, I think it's Ellie Kemper on the bottom, but it's Miranda July. I think it looks like Juno Temple. Oh sure, I see that. I, you know who it doesn't look like? It's Miranda July. Correct. There's me, sea turtle. You're the sea turtle. Dancing in the cloud. <laughs> well, all I'm trying to say is, is that you won't find a single establishing shot in this movie. Correct. <laughs> correct. That's all I'm trying to say. Truly correct. That's true. I was going to say something about the shooting style. What was I going to say? I don't know. Hmm. 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 I don't know. Maybe it'll come back hmm. to me. I'm also tired. I'm come not hungover, but I am under heavy psychedelics right now because of this film. 
Mm. Are you? No. Look at this image. Sorry. I'm Look at that. Oh, that's like kind of. It's a picture of Manager. Yeah. This is not a visual medium. I w- Maybe it should be. <laughs> should- <laughs> Add us at Movies IMO if you'd like this to be a vidcast. Would you like to see us on film? Is it a video? <laughs> oh, that's my second memory, my film related memory from my vacation. Is I think I already texted you this, you guys. Call me by your name? Again? No. no you I, watched it recently, I, though. I, I watched it with like a, a double feature with Chunking Express. Ooh. The theme is In the Mood for Hot Summer Ooh. Nights. Ooh. So, speaking Ooh. of hot summer mornings, my dad, sister, and I are just enjoying our morning coffee on the on the front porch and on the in veranda. North Carolina. Well, it's not quite a veranda. It's, oh. it's not a veranda, nor is it July. What makes it a veranda that it goes all the way around? I, I think, think a so. veranda is a wraparound, and I just sort of get an opulence. This is just like it's basically a log cabin mm. but mm. and y'all should all come visit sometime mm. so i know y'all mm-hmm. can get out to north carolina so easily mm-hmm. oh yeah but we're my there. my dad has his chill summer playlist all plugged into some speakers and we're just enjoying you know the the bo diddley of it all the uh the stephen van zant of it all and then all of a sudden i hear boom 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 oh do see what that and i'm like oh dad we talk about movies all the time. You didn't? Did you like Call Me by Your Name? Because Mystery of Love is playing on the playlist. Uh huh. He's like, "What? What's that?" I'm like, Call oh. Me by Your Name. It's a movie that like got nominated for Oscars last year. Like, I'm surprised you haven't. He's like, I had literally never heard of it. What's it about? I'm like, oh. the song that you have on your wow. chill summer playlist was the Academy Award nominated Heartstring Tugger. Yeah. Of the film, so my dad has Mystery of Love on his playlist. Doesn't but even he know doesn't. What, doesn't, he doesn't even know what Call Me by Your Name. Is. He's just a Ooh. sensitive Christian man, like he's Sufjan. not Christian, no. but well, no, he is. My dad, my dad's a Christian. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, th- I, 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 that makes sense to me. I mean, he probably liked the song and had no idea. No, that I think it that it came up a... on shuffle on Spotify, yeah. and my dad was like, "This is beautiful." Yeah, yeah. How Didn't fun. realize it came from a faggot film. My dad How loves fun. love. My dad loves his two faggot sons. I love that. I love my two. He should watch the sons. film. It's funny because I he asked I said something about Carol. He's like, which one was that again? I'm like, oh, it's about you know the romance between the um, the woman in the suburbs and the shop girl. He's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, what's coming by name about him? It's like, oh, it's like you know the grad student and the in the in the boy. <laughs> I'm just like telling <laughs> him about boy. all our favorite. Recent the Oscar nominated the love stories. That should have been the name of the film. Mm. Butter in the Grass? Butter in the Latch. That sounds sexual. Butter yeah. in the Latch? But Based on, on Whomst Wildly, that's how you know. Well, she loves highly charged sexual energy. The sexual energy in this movie is more subdued. In but, it's but it's there. In which one, Madeline? Mm-hmm. It's I mean, there. It, they it's, watch it's, a pornography. It's Lee Chang burning inside of her. I also think there's sexual energy between Madeline and Evangeline. I do too. And Madeline and Regina mm-hmm. when they're drinking the wine together. <laughs> so I th- oh, yes yes. I want to talk about something that comes up in all these films, which is the idea of dreams versus reality, and also just the idea of projecting your own reality onto something else, and that how it sort of takes on a different meaning or has diminishing returns or doesn't actually fulfill the purpose you wanted to. But mm-hmm. anyway, that actually isn't even what I want to talk about right now. Just that I just, I think it's a compelling dynamic that Josephine Decker sets up with Madeline and Evangeline and Madeline and Regina. And that the way that I interpret it is when the very beginning of the film is a dream when she's acting out the cat fan, she's acting mm-hmm. out as the cat at the house and Regina is just like, this is great. Right. And just like gives her a hug and scratches. She's like, you want yeah. scratches? Because we never really see her give in to. 
she, basically she's scared that Madeline's talent is indicative of her own mental illness. I know what I was going to say earlier. Oh yeah. Going. Well, just that, just that <laughs> that is pr- and the way I interpret the film. Like that's a dream. Uh-huh. And then the moment that comes right before the credits when she's approaching with the iron, which feels like a break yeah. in that specific reality that's been set up. That is real. The other thing was a dream. And then she takes it to class saying that the, the more, the uglier sides of their relationship and what in the uglier things that come out of her and the uglier things that come out of her mom are in reality. And yeah. the idea that they have this harmonious relationship is something that she wants, but is projected in her dreams. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to say? Um, well, two things. I have two things. Wow. Um, to your point mm-hmm. that um, I find I found it so interesting that m- when Evangeline is driving her home and she's like, yeah, I've been thinking also you shouldn't be part of this anymore. So then she doesn't go to rehearsal and she gets a voicemail. We missed you today. <laughs> Where were you? And it's like, oh, that wasn't real necessarily. But we don't know that it's not real. Right. And what I was going to point out is that there's a strong Cassavetian streak in Josephine Decker. I was going to get to that before you. Well, here I am. You made <laughs> here it. Here I am. Swooped in um, like the editing. Something I love to think about with my daddy, John Cassavetes, is that uh, these people don't live in the reality that we live in, but it is still, we believe it. I think soulfully it's indistinguishable. Yes. And I saw, I did a, I did a retweet the, the other day of someone is quoted as saying that uh, they are like, even though it's this documentary realist style in Cassavetti's work, it did, they are lightly surreal movies that don't, uh, I forget what it, like how it phrased it, but it's like, they don't give any sort of indication that this is not the real world. And so that's why people don't think of them as surreal works because a surreal work is usually in reality. conflict with what is actually reality. Yeah. And there is like that knowing tongue in cheekness about it. It's the it. killing of a Chinese bookie when Ben Gazzara runs across the one one freeway. Yeah. And you're just like, yes, I accept it in this reality. But in... I've lost. I was no, no, I'm in, with you. I can help in you want. Minion Moskowitz. There's like this like cyclical dating that what's his face and Jenna Rollins are going through, and it's like totally not believable, but you believe it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what a lot of Madeline is doing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is going on in the future as well. Yes, and you just accept that this is happening, even if it is a metaphor. Like yeah. the the parting of the Red Sea is what I'll call it in the future, but that's mm. not what's happening. When he moves the oceans, yeah. which I think is one of the most beautiful metaphors in recent cinema history, is that he puts his hand on her and he freezes time for himself, but she keeps she going. She keeps living. I mean, so I think it's beautiful on a number of levels. Move the oceans to, to live up. again. Yes. Yeah. I just, I find that so beautiful. What you just said was very beautiful, but also time doesn't freeze for her and she does explore this other option with this man in the suburbs who wears a sleazy gold chain, which is what she thinks she wants. And it, well, anyway, it is what she wants in that moment that she wants to explore it. And then she is able to have that dynamic experience that will inform her as a woman, as a partner, as, I mean, just as a human is really what I'm getting at. Yeah. And she's able to do it outside, like, 
a lot in a lot is metaphorical in the future i mm-hmm. think um when it comes to relationships i mean i think papa dying is actually a really beautiful thing because it's the end of the beginning mm-hmm. and i think papa represents hope and a second chance and an idea to come out to come in from the outside and then that dies and then you're actually cohabitating with somebody and it's mm-hmm. not sunshine and rainbows it's it's you're, it, it rains indoors in a long-term relationship yep. That's how I interpret Papa anyway. Interesting. Yeah. I, mean, I, sort of, I sort of went on a different tangent. but it's okay. Miranda July said that they had a full breakup scene with the dad in the suburbs. And then in the editing room, she saw the shirt scene and was like, oh, that's it. So much better. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> he walks in. We don't need to see them have the conversation. No. Yeah. That's Taking the, the Cassavetes back to Madeline's Madeline, mm-hmm. what made me think of that watching it today was the party scene at Evangeline's house. Oh, yeah. With the extended family. And, and they're all oh. doing performing. Exactly. Yeah. All of them. Yes. Yep. That was very... Doing performing. They're doing performing. <laughs> just they like, are. Just like when we're doing humor. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of the breakfast, the dinner for breakfast scene in Woman Under uh, Influence. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You guys are singing. If 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 John Cassavetes if John Cassavetes had sold out like Paul Newman, like for good, Mm -hmm. if in some in some way Paul Cassavetes starts like a cereal company, do you remember Cookie Crisp? The commercial would be like cookies for breakfast. Oh yeah. It would be like (laughs) pasta for breakfast. Be like pasta loops. Pasta loops. That sounds amazing. Cassavetes cereal. CC. And the that is also a movie about mental illness and it's a movie about vulnerability. And I see a lot Open of been emotional. I feel abilities. a lot. I see a lot of general Rollins and what Miranda July is doing in this film. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and there's sure. just like this tentativeness to do things in front of other people, but she's not tentative in private type mm-hmm. of thing. There's that public private dichotomy yes and like when we are performing and when we are just like an unfriended when we are asked to be our true emotional honest self in front of other people that that can be really crippling to some people yeah yeah or it's going to be some sort of performance i mean Mm -hmm. look at sinatki new york and every scene that caden recreates from his life in the theater piece it is been slightly touched up yeah a piece of dialogue has just been given a little bit more of a zing or a Mm -hmm. zest or we've eliminated some extraneous shit and we've we're gonna hammer home the i'm leaving you of it all and you think you get some of that in Miranda July's performance when she when she's trying to ease into that exercise, and then eventually she does. It becomes very natural, and mm-hmm. she it's un- undoing her sandal. But when she's first, like I don't know what to do. Like, but she's still she, embarrassed about it. But right? She, she just like she's just. But she, starting but, she to but she's ease performing a, a version of herself until mm-hmm. she eases into it. Yeah. Um, something I'll say, and then we can probably segue to the homework because we've been talking for a while. But something oh. that a dynamic that I find that we're segueing to being. <laughs> oh no, Brandon's exhausted. Yeah, I have to. I have to at least make one point about contempt. Oh, and yeah, I want to talk I, about Schenectady. Yeah, contempt. I have plenty to talk about. Yeah, we have a lot. To talk all about. right, all right. Where are we I'm on the time? only one who gave contempt to five stars. Yes, which means you're feels. falling for it. <laughs> Ew, rube. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. But this is so. I generally it's the only movie where his like intellectualism works for me. It's just so self-satisfied. I mean, See, it, I, don't, I just think it's like as self-reflective as these other movies you're talking about, but not in like a... Yeah, yeah. Me, yeah, no, I understand. I mean, and that's ultimately that self-reflective quality is what I like most about Contempt. Mm-hmm. But it, for me, the problem is that he's telegraphing all of this because he can't help but intellectual, intellectualize. He can't help but 
I'll just use a different word. He can't help but spell out his thesis mm-hmm. about what we expect. I mean, the whole thing of the movie is the Odyssey as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. These, that we're going to go on this journey, mm-hmm. and we expect him to be away from his wife and then reconcile with his wife. Mm-hmm. We expect him to shoot the gun at Jack Palance. Yeah. We expect him to you know, Fritz Lang is the Cyclops. Like there's all of these moments of misdirection and red herrings. And at a certain point you realize that he's actively subverting those. And he's also actively subverting what you think of as a movie. I mean, what I love about it is that he gives you TNA, an epic Mm. backdrop an Mm. an epic violin score, a a love story. But but, but he uses element. And and of course the whole thing about Godard is that he is, all of his movies are, self-reflectively in some way about the movies themselves right. themselves and in this movie they're he's t- essays. they're essays right and now they're quite literally video essays mm-hmm. and without plot by design but um, using the Odyssey which is it's it's not the first epic poem because I think like what is like the fairy queen doesn't matter like he's using an epic poem as a Beowulf. template here Be- Beowulf would yeah right, right. Um, you know it's Beowulf the fairy queen I don't know it's the something. history of the world <laughs> whatever I'm gay <laughs> Come on. Well, I can't read these novels. <laughs> yeah. I can't read these epic poems yeah. anyway. But um but he's setting you up from the beginning to expect the trappings of the epic film. And so he manages to give you the Capri Seaside Cliffs, which in another movie we would watch Odysseus like hiking on top of and like doing battle there. He gives you these swelling orchestras that you get in Spartacus like in in these epic films. Um and and then it has this love story that we expect involves reconciliation. And he's thwarting you there too, but he's st- and, and the fact that there is this gun that's this, it's like the Chekhov's gun that yeah. he's teasing out through the whole thing. So he doles out. This is what I love most about the film. It's so cheeky and clever. He he manages to make a movie that is an anti-epic, and yet features every single thing, um, all of the tropes and dialectics and hallmarks of the genre, yeah. and inverts them and punctures them. And, and as if to say, that's not what real life is like. Mm-hmm. And I love that about yeah. it. But at a certain point, that message to me becomes so telegraphed that I know things aren't going to work out. So it's hard for me to stay emotionally invested. But I those those montages, Bardo. though. I know. The first, nothing. Do you, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Nothing truly happens. And, and then it's like... All of a sudden, he looks at his wife and he realizes she doesn't love him anymore. And it's that montage. And I think that's one of the most, I think that's like a top 10 movie moment for me. See, that just mm. struck me right in the heart. It is just so, it is transcendent. I agree. And it's just like that alone, it is a five star movie no matter what else happens. It's a in Titanic this movie. movie. It just, boom. But I do think, I just, I think it works all the way through, though. But, I enjoyed, I mean, I think it, I really liked it. Yeah, and I, I think really if it wasn't it. Bridget Bardot, it would be a different experience. But because, and like she's not a great actress, mm-hmm. but she is a presence and she has a body, and like just her walking around the apartment in this malaise, I'm yeah. just so captivated by her. And I think it just like she has a magnetic screen presence. Yeah, and it's like it is the type of story that you would think, especially being made in 1963 or whatever, 65. I don't know that uh, she would be seen as, like, the cold bitch wife. But I feel like you are asked not to see her as the enemy. He's attacking toxic masculinity in the movie, too. It's not about 
oh my god, my wife has a, is abandoning me. Poor me. There is this like, like oh well, she's kind of right to hate him. Mm-hmm. You totally get. He it. He slaps her across the face, mm-hmm. and then not five minutes later, is like, why don't you like me? Yeah, right. Yeah. He abuses her, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. The idea doesn't even pop into his head that. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think it's simply that. I think she just has grown tired of all of that. Yeah. But he slaps her across the face. And he still can't like even still doesn't what, get it. Like yeah. even if he, when she drops the plate and then she's just like fuck whatever, it. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> she's just not cleaning. It's that. like Brandon with his glass at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it, whatever. Bye. <laughs> Sorry, I've become a corpse. I I will say, it's so funny because it was like forty episodes ago that you're like we have to stop saying I will say, and I was like got it, and now I just say it even more. I know we all. Think. I will say, but I will say, I will say. I what say. I will say. No, no, no. But what I said when I said that I would say, but what I was actually saying when I would say that I did say, I will say that in the scene where Miranda July <laughs> is spoon <gasps> is spoon feeding oh Madeline my God. Rice. Yes. Is that not Jean Dielman or is that not Jean Dielman? Oh, I mean, wait, she is in sitting, what? She is Who? sitting down huh? to dinner when with her Miranda son July and is like, eat. Oh, 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 yes. And she's like, I'm just trying to have a conversation with my daughter at dinner. And she's like, enough, mom. That's also the only time we see the brother in the whole movie. We see the back of him. Oh, okay. I could I could stare at that back all day. Wow. Not in a sexual way. I'm just trying wow. to bring up backs again. Mitski. So I think like a back would be a synecdoche for a person. I want to hear you two talk about synecdoche because I've only seen it the one time and I had just like, I am not able to speak on it. Synecdoche. So I would like to hear you two speak on it. Yeah. It... It uh, it's a movie that means a lot to me. I still struggle to say why. I mean, it's just so. It made me miss oh. Philip quite a bit. Yes, I mean that's. I mean, yeah, he's that's... just so sad, so sad. I love Catherine Keener in it. I love Hope Davis in it. I love Diane Weiss in it. Ah, um, uh, Hope Davis. Hope Davis, where did she go? One of the funniest moments in Synecdoche, New York for me is the third or fourth time that you are in Hope Davis, the therapist's office. And And she she, goes upstairs to the book. She she says, oh, I wrote a book about this that could really help. And then we see her walk behind and start climbing up a little ladder. (laughs) And the camera tilts to a part of the room we've never seen before, which is the view of the patient. So they would be seeing this every single time they're there. It is just a little library in a loft with rows of books that she has written with her face on the jacket it's so funny uh, i mean that's like the whole like cosmic absurdity yeah. of yeah. space in yes. the kaufman universe i think what i what resonated most with me with this movie is just like the idea of like like purpose and like leaving behind feeling like your life is meaningful and like it's I was what, gonna say, yeah, what it's, are you leaving behind like what mark are you leaving that pressure to feel like you have to leave a mark you like have to make something or like and 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 just the um what's the other part of it just uh the way the movie plays with time and space mm-hmm. like but the fact it, that all, all a, of these movies do really yeah and it's just like when you realize when he when he lifts up with his cane the little paper to see how many warehouses he's at at this point like it's like like five warehouses within each other like mm-hmm. how much like no matter how much you're working at something and working and working and it's like the answer is not to go deeper and deeper into yourself as it is you are supposed to go out to other people right is what he's and, getting at i think and and when it really what really drives it home is one of my favorite lines is uh 
that shot of all the cast like up in the rafters and he's talking to them. Mm. And one of the guys finally says like, when are we going to? It's been 17 years. Yeah. And you finally realize. So I want to bring up time, too, because how the time like stretches and compresses time. And next and goes se- forward and backwards in the timeline. Yeah. During Synecdoche, there are, he has a haircut later in the film with more hair than he had in the previous scenes. And it could be a wig, but then he doesn't have the hair again in the next mm-hmm. chapter. And the whole thing with all of his daughter... Um, him sending packages to her and how long they've been in um, they've been in Berlin. Has it been a yeah, week? Has it been that, a year? We are flipping forward and backward in this timeline in a way that doesn't really need to be dissected or, or asked like, so why do we jump to this moment before we fully analyze this moment? It's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's all baked into the same story. Time is a flat circle. Yeah, and it, the way Synexity plays with time and like how like time gets away from us and like... Uh, Caden doesn't realize how long it's been. He's like, well, my daughter's four. And he's like, she's 11. So- someone says like, yeah, she's like. 11. Jennifer Jason Lee and her newly acquired German accent. Yeah. And it reminds me of the scene in the future when uh, Miranda July is standing in front of like the two women and then it progresses to them like, oh, now we have kids. Yeah. And then the kids yes. suddenly are adults with their own kids and then they're dead. And yeah. just how time like... Let's keep this going. I'll tie it into another thing. So part of what I love so much about Synecdoche, New York is what is going on outside the warehouse, which is that the world is devolving into civil war, oh, into a yeah. refugee crisis. It's almost like mother in a way. Into It's like children of men. It's very much it like children, children of, men. of men. But the world outside of Caden's theater piece where he is trying to explore the true meaning of his soul the relevance that he has to the world around him. Keep in mind, he gets this MacArthur Genius Grant to impart some sort of truth that will enrich humanity. Mm-hmm. Outside of the theater, I mean, he's spending all his time trying to burrow deeper and deeper to find the truth of himself, the root of the meaning of life as it pertains to him. Outside, the world is falling into chaos. And watching yeah. this 10 years ago versus now is a very different read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then it felt even more absurdist. I mean, it's a little silly that in the beginning, the the Harold Pinter dying or winning the Pulitzer, like he's sort of telegraphing an influence. Mm -hmm. But how it pertains to time is that this is just going on in the back seat and time in the future as well. This is going on in the rear view mirror of the entire plot. At first we see... Um, more homeless people outside, and then we see tanks rolling through the street. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the film, when Caden is is exploring the space that he's created and going into each of these warehouses, and that world changes as he goes by because the world has changed as he's been creating this piece, then there are just bodies out in the street. So we are led to believe that there have just been bodies on the streets yeah. of New York. So the whole idea that you spend so much time focused on yourself... right? thinking that that's somehow going to make the world a better place if you can just put out your most fully realized version of yourself yeah. rather than pay attention to your surroundings and the people around you. This reminds me of the quote in the future when Hamish Linkletter says that, you know, of, of the whole history of the earth, like all of the time in the world, we are now at the moment where the building, what is it? The building has been... The building is about to collapse. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The global warming of it all. That movie also, watching no, exactly. in 2018, is like, oof. Right. But I think that they're both getting at similar things, which is that yeah. when you are so focused on your own shit and only trying to provide your own meaning with life, because that's what so much of the future is about. We have one month until we get Papa. What are we going to do? I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to do a 30 Days, 30 Dance YouTube challenge. I'm going to sign up to work with Greenpeace, essentially. Yeah. They're trying to, you know... They're, find meaning. Yes. Through one is a little more of a selfish endeavor or or a more of an expressive endeavor and the other is 
a desire to like give back, but almost in a way that I assume to give back to feel better about yourself. Yeah. Um, anyway, does that make sense? How yes. That in? All, all Love of that the outside. What? When she says you don't go outside. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I'm I am, I am environmental. I I love all of that. Just taking it back a few points ago that you had. Um, Sorry. No, no, no. It's because I I had something. We're talking to, about synecdoche, New York. I, I had something to jump off of um, when you were talking about like naval. It, it goes back to navel gazing mm-hmm. and like how Caden's focusing so hard on this piece to bring like put something good into the world. Meanwhile, the world around him is falling into chaos while he's not paying attention. Um, I feel like it's also in the way it's Josephine Decker grappling with like, well, what does this piece of art mean? Am I, am I, is this for good or for bad? Right. Am I, uh, am I using this like talented young woman for like my own gain or is it for her? Blah, blah, blah. Um, It's also this synecdoche is Charlie Kaufman. I feel like, dealing with like his own like am i navel gazing like anomalisa is navel gazing yeah (laughs) anomalisa came after this obviously that's not a film i like very much same Same. it was a true disappointment see i think that the defenses i've heard of anomalisa in regards to the just slovenly slovenly let's pretend that's a word toxic masculinity in that film that it's all about that attitude Mm -hmm. and i and my thought is then why is the film empathizing so deeply with his plight and why does the film write off lisa at the end of the story um i think why does it suggest lisa's just a cum covered doll at the end of the film who 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 drives away into the sunset thinking that her life has been changed and can't wait to see him again Mm -hmm. or or or, or is holding on to him as this emblem of change in her life i feel like but in Synecdoche, he actually is getting at toxic masculinity in a way yes. that is not. I mean, there's there's a lot there's a lot of empathy for Caden because it mm. while it I think it's, that he is exploring toxic masculinity, it's also just the human condition, the the idea of trying to find meaning in your own life, and then find like searching for that meaning, and that once you find that meaning, you're going to be able to be the best possible person you can be, right. rather than volunteering once a week, mm-hmm. right? But you dig so deep to find true meaning, you then Diane Weiss voice. Die. Die. Um, but it's interesting that uh, Charlie Kaufman made Synecdoche, which is all about, like, navel-gazing and, like, trying to, like, build, like, art that means, and, like, blah, blah, blah. And then he makes Anomaly, so which is, I feel like, what Caden, it's, like, what Caden would end up, like, making. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> I don't know if I totally agree, but I don't want, I don't, that's a... That's a brutal hot. That's a brutally hot. I thing. love Charlie Kaufman, and I'm reading the book that he's adapting for Netflix. Mm. Um, but Anomalisa, something I man. see in all of these movies, and in a lot of just general movies about artists, is um, a Leonard Bernstein quote that I think about a lot, which is uh, the way to get a great artist to make great art is to give them more than enough money and not enough time. Mm. Um, and there's there's in all of these movies a streak of the danger of putting off product as an artist. In Uh, Contempt, he's been hired to write the script, and it mm -hmm. only takes place in two days. But when he sits down to write the script, it seems like he's not even writing the script. Mm -hmm. And in Synecdoche, he's doing, he's basically, he's constructing the art of his life Mm -hmm. for 17 years, more than that. No, at that point, they're in the the first warehouse. Yeah, I don't think they've built the second warehouse in 17 years. And it's like, there's something to, I have this idea, I've made this thing, and now I'm on to the next, as opposed to working on the same thing for 25 fucking years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just think it's a really interesting thread that I just think all artists feel Mm -hmm. is like, 
I think, and I just think Leonard Bernstein is right on the money right. of like, give them plenty of money and not enough time. And yeah. then you'll the get theater something. in Madeline's Madeline is often more masturbatory than anything else. Right. And it, this, that, that same beautiful evolution of this, uh, of the, of the theater piece. And I say beautiful because the idea that that art is constantly growing and is alive mm-hmm. is something I believe, but she, because she, she, She's in charge. I mean, it's a dictatorship. It's not actually a commune, as right. as, as described, um, because she has free reign and no one's checking her. Mm-hmm. And I imagine the tuition for that thing is pretty steep. Right. Um, she has all the money and all the time, so mm-hmm. she's. I mean, not she can just do she can just whatever do. The fuck she wants. She changes the whole. It starts out concept, as a, she's a prison first, thing. First, she's exploiting the friend who went to prison. Yep. And then she's exploiting Madeline. She pivots. I, I'm glad you brought up that moment because that is one of the truer things in this movie. The way that mm-hmm. the way that these, you know, I don't know if she's upper middle class. She has privilege pouring out of her pores. And her freckles. All the yeah, I mean that's that's where a lot of the white, white privilege is just oozing out. But it it gets at that. I mean yeah, she has a house in New York. Oh yeah, on the island of Manhattan. It looks right. like right. It looks like Madeline lives in Brooklyn. Right mm-hmm. and. But rather, but rather, rather than hiring this man who had previously been incarcerated, hiring him and paying him, correct, to be a consultant on the piece, she brings him in for a circle jerk so Uh that everyone can feel a little bit better about themselves. Mm -hmm. Did you get out for good time? (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Questions they, which is actually just reinforcing a level of white supremacy and reinforcing uh, assumptions about Mm -hmm. incarcerated people. It's it's. That wasn't the first... I, I don't remember the first moment that I'd really turned on the Evangeline character. And part of what's great about Molly Parker's performance is you're constantly oscillating. Like, is she doing this with the best of intentions or yeah. is she completely Machiavellian yeah. when it comes to Madeline? Um, but that that was the... And that, might, that might have been the first moment that I realized Evangeline was not going to live up to her namesake, was not mm-hmm. going to be some sort of savior, right. Christ, angel figure. That's um, right. Fuck. Um, apropos of nothing, I will say that another aspect of contempt that Godard is fucking with when it comes to cinematic uh, convention, when it comes to visuals, that he shoots the chamber piece in CinemaScope. Yes. Mm. The edges of the frame are rounded like the lens. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me a little bit of what Tarantino does in The Hateful Eight with 70 uh, millimeter. But for that, it's not as much of a fuck you. It's more of a, then you can really pour over every detail in this lodge. But that he shoots the, 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 the scenes of domestic... Unrest. I mean, the whole movie, but mm-hmm. in Cinemascope is just hilarious to me. I yeah. love it. Mm. Yeah. Can mm. how? Where are we on time? We're done. Well, can <laughs> can we talk quickly about the burning house and Synecdoche? Yes. And oh. Which ties in, which which is the metaphor writ large of the end is the beginning. Are you getting a phone call? My sister's trying to FaceTime me. Want to answer it? Do do a quick minute, do a quick minute on, on the, the mic. The... A quick minute on the mic. This, this is the sister moment on the mic. <gasps> oh, it's my nephew. Oh my god. Look. Hello, Krista. Hi. I'm <laughs> recording a podcast right now. Hi, Abe. Oh. <laughs> Look at him. Hi, oh Abe. My God, he's so cute. I Can I call you in like, uh, like ten minutes? Yeah. Oh, look at his little face. Hi. Oh, <laughs> that's honest right there. Oh. <laughs> Vicky creeps talking to our baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll call you in ten. Bye. What I like about the way that Abe was in that FaceTime is he was holding it like a technologically impaired parent would <laughs> on FaceTime. Like like Jean like Jean Dielman in Unfriended. <laughs> mm. Yeah, off like half the face. Hello. Yes. 
Like mm. the cheesecake person. I love that. Who's the cheesecake person? Mm. Remember that we talked about her, how she's content now? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. So the burning Cam. house, the burning house, which ties oh, into right, right, right. the end of the beginning. Mm-hmm. So Samantha Morton goes to look. Who's Samantha Morton? Unbelievable in this movie. Mm-hmm. Also, in Synecdoche, New York, we get the Morvan Caller Breaking the Waves crossover we've always wanted. Oh, my God. And that Emily Mortimer plays Samantha Morton <gasps> right. in the film. Yes, I love that. Because so Samantha- they look very similar. Samantha Morton goes to check out this house that is on fire. Mm-hmm. And she goes in with a realtor. And she's like, God, I just like I love the details. I love the molding. I love the wallpaper. And meanwhile, the house is on fire. Yeah. And then, and then eventually she goes... I am a little concerned about the fire, though. <laughs> I like when they say the cause of death, smoke inhalation. And then as if, like, like, it yeah, checks out. It's but, not. but here's the thing. When you sign up for anything, whether it's real estate, but more importantly, if it's a relationship, if it's just the prospect of living, your house is going to burn down at the end of your life. Your ship is going to sink. Mm-hmm. We all sign up. We, we sign up. Someone signs for us to be here in the first place. I didn't agree to be on Earth. Someone makes a decision for you, and you are living in a burning house. You can either... Someone once said, I don't know who, that uh, we all choose the way that we die. Oh. Just See, by virtue of the way that you we go. live our lives. Right. And so and she's decided to make. live in this house that is on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you can either spend that life in the burning house... Mm-hmm freaking out over your hypochondria, your pustules growing on the side of your face, the fact that your life has no meaning, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it, you are going to die of smoke inhalation in your bed at the end of the very long day. So you should be living more like the Hazel character who is reading, who is being with who being with the person she wants to be with, yeah. making decisions she wants to make, leaving the jobs that she wants to leave. Um, and, and then she dies at peace. Accepting. Yeah, exactly. That the house is on fire. Exactly. Unlike Caden, yeah. who only realizes at the end of the film, after Ellen, the cleaning lady. Oh, love Ellen. I mean, Ellen is wild. Die at I least. Loved, I love Catherine Keener's I had to be notes. weirdly close. <coughs> we had quite a fuck last night. Ellen, the, the sheets are, we had quite a f- <laughs> Ellen, help yourself to <coughs> the, the goodwill bags. Ellen, Ellen, help yourself to the grapefruit liqueur in the fridge. <coughs> we have an extra closet if you want to kisses. <laughs> Don't would, would you not agree that putting Catherine Keener and Philip Seymour Hoffman together as a married couple is just a stroke of genius? Considering yes. that, although obviously our dearly departed P- PSH is no longer living. They are the two most tired-looking actors yes, in it's the so history good. of cinema. No one plays exhausted better than yeah. those two. Ah, they're so good. As just I, that whole, I think we've talked about it here before. That whole first domestic scene where, like, Catherine Keener's trying to, like, make the breakfast with a girl who doesn't want oatmeal. She wants, like, PB&J and, like... Do you want Philip peanut butter C- toast? Kate July says. Ah! And Caden's just, like, talking about how his, like, poop is... Black. It's just like so, and it's the just poop so is green. Green. No, no, no. Her olive's poop is green. Olive's olive's, is olive's green. poop is olive. I just Kaden's love like the black. bodies and the, like mm. bodies just breaking down. Yes, and like the like the illness. It's just like the, yeah. it's reeks of just like ugh. the movie smells. The movie. Yeah. The movie. The movie's amazing, but the movie also stinks. It is life. And it is life, and the shit, and the stink, and the pus. And this the sound design on Caden's body. It's not exaggerated, but every now and then, like. You just hear a creak or something. <laughs> I love how another way that the more absurdist elements of the movie play in, 
uh, in regards to the body or the way that Caden has substitute tears that he breaks out when he yeah. goes to Berlin yes. and finds out that Olive has never gotten the gifts. The eye drops. They're, we think they're eye drops, but they say on they're the side, tears. substitute tears. And then mm-hmm. we cut to him acting out this moment of devastation, Crying. holding the gift that he bought for Olive <laughs> and sent that she's never received. But those tears were from a bottle. Yes. Yeah. The idea that emotions don't belong to us, mm-hmm. tying back to Madeline's Madeline. Um, it's, it's like Madeline sitting quietly, vacantly. Mm-hmm. Empty. It's like that nose, that pink minute. nose box. Empty inside. Oh. Oh. Well. On it, that note. If I'm not mistaken, this has been another episode of Movies IMO. Thank you for listening. Um, whether you listened last week or two months from now, time is all part of the same jacuzzi tub. We've been doing this podcast for 17 years. <laughs> It's wow. been 17 years. It's like a rival. Everything that has already happened the end is, is the beginning. happening now. The beginning is the end. Mm-hmm. You can follow us on Twitter at MoviesIMO. You can follow us on any of your uh, podcasting applications under the name MoviesIMO. That is what we're called. Please leave us a five-star review on the iTunes store yeah. and tell us, do you think art might not be a good thing? Oh, <laughs> Do you think art is actually the enemy? Yeah. Do you think that art is the enemy? Let us know your thoughts. Do you believe in fascism? And, and by the way, Evangeline was right. <laughs> and if you do, please note that podcasting is not an art form, so this should not impact your rating whatsoever. True. Yes. You. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, next week. Well, actually, it's Brandon's turn to talk. <laughs> What are we talking about? We, oh. we usually do that at the end. We are talking about. Although if we really want to disrupt conventions here, maybe maybe we'll just cut it in 45 minutes into the podcast. Oh. What? Are we cutting it? Next Sorry. week we're talking about Crazy Rich Asians. Thank you. Yes. I didn't want us to get derailed from that point. I think it would be funny, though, if we were to just randomly drop in the middle of the episode something out of context from the end. And, and, make, pe- and make people think it's an error, and then at the end of the podcast, reveal that it's been planned the oh, entire time. Wow. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll look for a way to yeah, take a look. Th- yeah. Something to I do was, that. Some, some fun editing. I mean, we just watched so many movies that are just saying, no, not for you, That's to right. the audience. <laughs> That's right. Saying, not today, to the cinematic <laughs> conventions. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, saying, uh, die already, to dialectic. Oh. Die. <laughs> die. <laughs> That's how I've been planning to end the podcast. How does she say it? She just says, die. Die. Okay, say everyone's goodbyes. My name is Ben Matthew MP. It's not your turn. I'm Oh wait, we're disrupting convention. Go I'm ahead. I'm on the Twitter at Real Todd Haynes. My uh I'm Papa. I'm on Twitter at Papa21. I hope that's <laughs> someone's handle. His name is Brandon Kirby. You can find him on the internet at BK Kirby. No it, No. No, it, no, it's not. No, it's not. Okay, I need after I say my name, I need I someone like to ask me. I'm gonna cut the contempt score when we talk about the contempt. Oh, that's score. funny. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be that'd good. Be great. I just love the use of non-diegetic music. <laughs> I know. I just love fun. Okay, after I say word, you can find me on the internet. I need one of you to ask me for a glass of water. Okay. okay. My name is Daniel Crook. You can find me on the internet at Daniel Crook with three O's. Do you want water? No, no, no. Ask me to get. Can you I have a glass of water? I wasn't getting up. I was just adjusting my position. I love that. I'm quoting from the future. Okay, so maybe on the count of three, we can just Diane Weist. Oh, the end of this thing? No, at the end, no, we have to like do the, the oh, acting. Oh. <laughs> the end of Madeline's Madeline. Oh, We're no! doing a street dance. The movie is both cinema and theater. Mine is like raptor noises. <laughs> <laughs>
die. <laughs> Hit the button. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.